Thank you for letting me be in Mexico for a little bit. Um, last weekend, I went to a really important wedding in my family, and I got to meet family I've just never met before, and it was super cool to hang out with them and to meet them and to get to know more of my family story and my family history, I think, was just super awesome. And I'll tell you what, I'm really glad to be back in Tulsa because there for a little bit, I didn't think I was going to make it back. And uh, let me explain, because maybe you've seen my Instagram story or Facebook story, and so I just want to explain real quick. Uh, so on the way back from Mexico, we had to take different flights. And uh, so we were uh, in Dallas about to, you know, leave and, and go back to Tulsa. And so we get in the plane, and, and we're sitting there, and, and I'm thinking, right, everyone's boarding. And I'm thinking, hey, in just a little bit, I'm going to be in my bed. It's been a long day of traveling. I'm going to go to sleep. And so everyone boards a plane, and, and usually, you know, they, like, drive out to where you take off. But that never happened. And so we're, like, sitting there for a couple minutes and sitting there for an hour. And then finally we move a little bit, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I really wasn't paying attention. It was raining, and I didn't know this. And I was like, ah, maybe it's not raining that bad. But, you know, we're there, and we're about to take off, and again, like, another hour goes by. And I'm like, what is going on? And again, that's when I find out that it's raining, and I look out the window, and I'm like, it's really not that bad. Eh, it's not that bad. Like, I, we could take off. And then all of a sudden, the pilot comes on the radio or whatever you call that, and he's like, hey, guys, we're not leaving Dallas. The flight's canceled. And I was like, are you serious? Okay. You know what? That's fine. That's fine. It's canceled. We can just find another flight. And so, you know, they, they take us back to terminal and we go back to terminal and we're like hanging out. And I was like, you know, it's fine. We'll just find another flight in the next couple hours or maybe tomorrow. But we're looking and there's not another flight until Thursday. This was, this was Sunday night. Yeah. So there was another flight till Thursday and I was like, oh man, okay. So we looked at rental cars, zero in that area. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, for funsies, see if there's a U-Haul. Zero. Nothing. Like, there's just absolutely nothing. Not even a U-Haul. And I was like, man, okay. So, so my family, we get together. And we're like, well, okay, let's just get a hotel here. And, and then, you know, we'll figure it out tomorrow. Zero hotels in that area. I was like, what is going on? And so anyway, we had to get a hotel like 25 minutes away. And, and so we wake up in the morning and, and we're, you know, having like a team huddle, team meeting. And and uh, my dad and his stepmom were like, well, I think we need to get an Uber. And I was like, you're telling me we need to get an Uber from Dallas to Tulsa? Is that even possible? And uh, it's possible. <laughs> we, we did it. We did it. So I am the only person I know, and maybe you know someone else, that has Ubered from Dallas to Tulsa. And I feel like I'm like the longest Uber that I know. I was like, man, I've never even thought about Ubering for four hours, you know, four hours, maybe even five. I don't remember how long it was. Um, but yeah, that's why I almost didn't make it to Tulsa. So that was really fun. Uh, but I share that with you because isn't life messy sometimes? Like, and sometimes it's messy because like you can't control it. Like there's so many things in life you really can't control. And, and there's things in life that honestly are just messed up because the world's messed up because there's sin and nothing's going to ever be perfect because of that. And then, on the flip side, life can be messy because we mess up, because we are messed up, and because we have this sinful nature, and we're the ones who want to go against God, and, and we're the ones that are really just messing everything up. We're hurting people, we're hurting ourselves, but 
I'm grateful for the mercy of God, for the kindness of God, for the grace of God that is never ending. And I love the song uh, that says, our sins, they are many, but God's grace, his grace is more. And uh, I love how Little Holland, which is the daughter of one of my friends, Little Holland likes to say, our sins, they are messy, but his mercy is more. In our lives, they are messy, but his mercy is more. Our, our families, they are messy, but his mercy is more. Our schools, yeah, they're messy, but his mercy is more. Our government, it's messy, but his mercy is more. And I'm just going to say this one because I think it's true. Our churches are messy, <laughs> but his mercy is more. His mercy is more every single time. And so talking about lives that are messy, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 38 with me. Genesis chapter 38. And as you turn there, I just, I just want to be honest with you and say most of the time I, I read the whole passage and then we look into it deeper and we take a deeper dive. But what I'm going to do today is I'm going to read as we go and then I'm going to summarize some things together um, as we look at Genesis chapter 38. But as you turn to Genesis chapter 38, I want to introduce you to a man in Genesis 38 whose name is Judah. Uh, and Judah is an interesting character. And, and you might know stories where Judah's in, uh, and you might know a little bit more about Judah going forward. But in this particular time, as I think about this man named Judah, I bet you he asked himself a question at least once in his life. And maybe it's a question that you've asked yourself. And this is really the question we're going to try to answer today together. And it's this. Will God really forgive me? Will God really forgive me? Will he? Will he really forgive me? And, and I think this is a question that Judah probably asked in his lifetime because of the way he hurt others and the way he hurt himself. And maybe this is a question you've asked yourself because of the way you've hurt yourself or you've hurt others. And you ask, man, will God really forgive me? And, and I want to emphasize that word will because most of the time when people ask this kind of question, they're not really questioning if God can or cannot. Really, they believe that God has the power to forgive them and that God is willing to forgive them. But because of the things they've done, the things that they have thought, because of all of those things, they just go, man, is God really concerned with forgiving me? Does, does God really care to forgive me? Does he really want to forgive me? And when we ask this question, it's really interesting because I think we're trying to seek a type of forgiveness that it, it really restores us makes us new, the type of forgiveness that gives us a fresh start, that helps us move on and move forward. That's the kind of forgiveness we're looking at. And, and if you're there in, in uh, chapter 38 with me, and it says in verse 1, at that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with the man. And it keeps going, but this Judah, he left his brothers. And you might be asking, what brothers did he just leave? Well, in the context of chapter 38, Judah was one of the brothers that wanted to kill Joseph because Joseph was uh, Israel's favorite. And so it's interesting how, how we have this man who's Judah and he's, a, he's one of the brothers that wanted to kill Joseph. And then he, he's part of that decision-making process of saying, hey, Joseph's coming, man, how are we gonna kill him? And he goes, well, let's not kill him, let's, let's sell him, let's sell Joseph. And so he's part of the brothers that sell Joseph. And as soon as they sell him, 
he leaves. He goes. He goes to another town, and, and this is what it says. At that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named uh, Hira. And so here he goes to another town. He goes somewhere else, and he goes out of sin. He leaves because he has just done a huge, a huge sin against his brother, against his family, and so he absolutely leaves and departs. And then it keeps on saying in verse 2, there Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He married her and made love to her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son who was named Ur. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and named him Onan. She gave birth to still another son and named him Shelah. It was at Kazib that she gave birth to him. And so, this is the Judah who literally just sold his brother, and now he's here, and he's married a Canaanite woman and had these kids. And I just want to give us just a little bit more, more context of the Old Testament and New Testament, that kind of stuff. And especially when we look at the Old Testament, which is that front uh, kind of half and, and, and three-fourths of the Bible, when we look at the Old Testament, really we see all kinds of uh, literature. We have narrative, which is these stories. We have poetry. We have prophecy. We have history. Uh, we have wisdom literature. We have all of these things. And, and we, we, when we look at these stories together, which are historically accurate, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll, I'll read the Old Testament and I go, why in the world did God put that in there? Like, why in the world did, did God decide to share this with us? Because this is a little weird. It's a little crazy. It's a little uncomfortable. But these stories are here to teach us something, to give us a lesson, to be able to understand more of who God is and who we are and, and what we're supposed to do. And Genesis 38 is one of those uncomfortable, weird, crazy stories. Um, and so you're going to see a little bit more with me of why that's the case and, and why we would even try to tackle the question of will God forgive me? Like, does God even care to? Does God even really uh, want to do that? And so as we keep on reading chapter 38 together, um, here's our first point. Because, again, there's these lessons that we need to learn from this story. So here's the first point that we're going to see as we keep reading, or the first lesson. Listen to the warning of God. Listen to the warning of God. That's the first point that we see here. And so I want you to check out this warning with me and see if you can catch it. So we're going to start reading again in verse 6 all the way to verse 10. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the child would not be his, so whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he spilled his seed on the ground to keep from providing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death also. Did you guys catch the warning there? <laughs> you catch the warning? The warning that we see here, the warning of God, is that God takes sin really serious. God takes sin so serious. And so we see Judah, and he has a really messy family history. Really messy family history. And then 
we look at his life, it is just so messy and full of sin. Like this man just sold his brother, he moved away, and then he married this woman from a group of people that God has said, hey, at this time in history, don't marry them, but he does it anyway, which is a Canaanite woman. And then he goes on and he gives his sons uh, uh, wives from the same group of people. And then his sons are so wicked to the point where God's like, yeah, you're done. Yeah, you're done. And you see all of this sin, you see all of these things happening, and they're just disobeying the Lord and and doing things that are wicked in his sight. And so there's this warning of that God takes sin so serious. And and I don't want you to read this and go, oh, man, like you're telling me, Sad, that like if I do these wicked things, God's just going to kill me on the spot. No, that's not the warning. The warning is that because God takes sin so serious, there's a consequence for sin. There's this thing called death and because sin exists death exists and we look at Romans 6 23 I mean you might know it from memory but it's like for the wages of sin is death the consequence of sin is death the payment of sin is death and we'll get to the grace of God in a minute but I just want to focus on how serious God takes sin and if we're really trying to answer the question will God forgive me Well, man, I want us to remember that because life is messy, because we are messy, because we are sinful, in order to truly understand the magnitude of the forgiveness of God that we have, man, we have to remember just how sinful we are. We have to truly understand how holy God is. And the magnitude of his forgiveness is just so incredible and so great. Because he takes sin so serious and he takes disobedience so serious. And so this is the warning of God. And we have to listen to God's warning in his word. We have to be able to read his word and and be able to see the warning of what's right, right, what's wrong, what's obedience, what's disobedience. And how can I live a life that's purposeful, that's honoring God and, and the God who has forgiven me. The God who has provided everything for me. And so we see this warning that we have to, uh, or this lesson that we have to listen to the warning of God. And then the second thing that I want us to see as we continue to read this story is not just listen to the warning of God, but we have to listen to the wisdom of God as well. Listen to the wisdom of God. And as we keep reading, here's one thing you're going to see Judah not do. He's not going to listen to the wisdom of God. And so let's keep reading, and we're going to be here in verse 11. And let's see how Judah does not listen to the wisdom of God. And we'll read verses 11 and 12. Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, Live as a widow in your father's household until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought he may die too, just like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's household. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Timnah, to the men who were shearing his sheep. And his friend Hira, the Adulamite, went with him. And so, again, Judah does not listen to the wisdom of God. And here, here's why I say that. Because if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, here's what you're going to find. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. 
Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. And so really what should have happened in in God's wisdom and in God's creation and the way God ordered things, really Judah should have been like, okay, well, Tamar, um, you lost your husband, and then Onan died. Well, the last one is, is Sheila, so here you go. That's what should have happened in the wisdom of God. But Judah, he's kind of scared. He was like, man, everyone who's with Tamar it just dies. And so I don't want my last son to die because, like, he's my last son. Like, I love him. I don't want him to, uh, to, to perish or to die. And so what do you do? He didn't give over his last son to Tamar, which really, that's exactly what should have happened. And so he was disobedient, and it was so interesting as we look at this, he was disobedient out of fear. He was scared. Judah was disobeying God and didn't listen to his wisdom because of fear. And I just want us to think about that just for a little bit, because that's really, really important for us. Because here's a question that just kind of makes this a little bit personal. How many times have we disobeyed God because of fear? How many times have we done the opposite of what God wants us to do because of fear? You see, sometimes we disobey God out of fear of the unknown, fear of owning up to our faults, fear of the consequences of our actions, fear of what others might think or might say or might do. Fear of the future, fear that we're not enough, fear that we're not good enough, fear of failing. Do I need to keep going? And so when I think about that and and when I just look at this story, it's interesting to me how fear is like, fear is like this knife that cuts away at our faith. Just cuts away at our faith. And fear is the opposite of faith. And so when we look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, man, it's one of my favorites when it talks about fear. It says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I did a little bit, a little bit of research, and I was like, I wonder how many times in the Bible it says, don't be afraid, or how many times it says, do not fear, or fear not. You know what's so fascinating to me? In the Bible, it says, fear not, 365 times. You know how many days are in a year? 365 days. And I'm not going to try to look into that too much, but just bear with me real quick. There is enough fear nots in the Bible for every single day of the year. Where every single day of the year, we can go, fear not. Do not be afraid. Whatever you're going through, fear not, but fear God. You see, because fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. And so we need to listen to the wisdom of God and, and, not fear, and, and fear not, but fear God. And, and fear God and his wisdom and listen to his wisdom 365 days of the year. And, and whenever things get hard or whenever things are uncomfortable or whenever, or whenever God's wisdom goes against our culture or goes against maybe what we've always been taught, we need to say, Lord, your wisdom is better for me. Lord, your wisdom is better than my wisdom. And, 
And God, I want to know and seek your wisdom because your wisdom leads me on a better path. Lord, your wisdom leads me in a better way of living and in living the way that you intended me to live. God, your wisdom leads me to glorify you, to honor you because of the way you created us. And so, and I just want us to think about that whole aspect of how many decisions do we make out of fear rather than faith? Because I think it's important in answering that question of will God forgive me? Because personally in in my life and in my family's life, I think about just kind of the, the history of sin in my family. And I can kind of pinpoint different times how sin was there because of fear. And uh, one of the ones that's just super personal to my life, and I've shared with this with some of you before, um, but really I'm in a way truly a survivor of abortion. Like, like my mom was 16 years old when... Uh, she found out that she was pregnant and, and she willingly, at, at 16, willingly went to the doctor and willingly got an injection that truly should have killed me or truly should have left me to be deformed. Like that is a reality and my mom was scared. She was so scared and so fearful, scared of the unknown, scared if she could be a good mother or not, scared of of what her parents would say, scared of if she had the capacity to be a mom or all of these things and maybe even more things that she hasn't even told me. But she was so scared. And it's just interesting because that's so personal to my life. Like I talk to people from the Hope Pregnancy Center and in the Mend Pregnancy Center. And I just ask them, I'm go, hey, tell me just what it's like for, for a woman to come in and, and get a free ultrasound. And they go, well, these women are just so scared. They're so fearful. And they come in so scared and fearful and they just don't know what to do. And, and most of them are, are, are just so just engulfed with fear that they just want to make sure that they're pregnant so they can have an abortion. And I'm like, man, there's just so much fear and they're so scared. And, and I just thank the people at the Hope Pregnancy Center and the Men Pregnancy Center because they're the people that are, that are right there in the middle of it. Like that get to help that mother see the heartbeat of a child and see the ultrasound of a child and and be right there with the mother and and help her transition from fear to faith of saying hey we're with you and i i hear your fear i hear that you're scared but what what if in this moment we make a decision out of out of faith rather than fear and uh, when I talk to them, it is really interesting how there are certain uh, situations and certain pregnancies that um, kind of make this whole topic of abortion complicated in ways. Um, and really, when I talk to them, uh, they tell me, they say, really, Misael, our prayer is this. Our prayer is that, that we can pray with them and talk with them and, and ask the Lord that they would make a decision out of faith and not fear. I was like, well, that's, that's pretty good. Because at the end of the, of the day, though there are really complicated situations and all of that, you know, that is a, a human life. That is a child who could maybe one day stand on a little stage with a little microphone, with a little iPad, a little Bible, and be able to say, hey, there's forgiveness in Jesus. Hey, there's hope 
hey, there's faith. Hey, I, I should have not been here, but I'm standing in front of you as a testimony of God's goodness, of God's kindness, of God's mercy, of God's everlasting love. And so when I look at my family, there is history of, of attempts of abortion. When I look at my family, I, I have family members who are married to people of, of the opposite gender. I have family members who uh, are the ones who have had uh, these moments where they've lived with people who they weren't married to or, or have had sex before marriage or have had a history of divorce or had a history of being in, uh, stuck in sexual sin or have a history of you know, being born one gender but now thinking that there's someone, uh, that there's something else. And so in my family, in my messy, messy family, there is that. And, and I can't tell you the details and the reasons of why that's the case other than sin and, and lovingly tell you, man, that, that those things are sin. Those things go against the warning of God and, and the wisdom of God. And you see, though my family is that and it's messy, I do have to tell you, man, I love them. And I respect how they are created in the image of God. And I respect that they are my blood. But familia, like my church family, I need to tell you that like I cry out and I pray for my family. I cry out and I pray that God would give me the boldness to be able to stand in front of them one day or to sit with them one day and, and give me the boldness to say, look, I love you and God loves you and and really, you need Jesus just the same way that I need Jesus. The same way that I need, needed Jesus to forgive me, to transform me. And lovingly, I just want to tell you that you, you need to repent from ignoring the warnings of God. And you, you need to love, I mean, just lovingly come before you and just tell you that you need to repent from thinking that your human wisdom is much greater than God's wisdom. You need to repent thinking that you're just so much better than the God who created you. Just lovingly come before you and tell you that you're going against the way God created things to be. And though it's uncomfortable, though it's though it, though it goes against all these things maybe in your mind, man, it's the truth. It's God's wisdom. It's God's warning. And so I share that with you because maybe you're in here today and your family's like mine, or maybe you have dealt with or struggled with or have done things like my family or maybe like, like Judah's family. Maybe you've been living so long in this unrepentant sin. You've asked yourself the question, gosh, I've done so much harm. I've hurt so many people. I've hurt myself. Will God even forgive me? Well, I'm here to tell you and to stand before you and to say yes. Yes, God will forgive you. Yes, God can and will forgive you. And though God is super serious about sin, I just want to remind you of Jesus. Because literally Jesus came to earth and lived this perfect life. Literally Jesus died on the cross. Literally Jesus rose from the grave so that we could be forgiven. 
so that we could be forgiven of all of our past, all of our present, all of our future. And when we put our trust and faith in him, he's the one that cleans us. He's the one that makes us new. He's the one that forgives us in such a way that restores our soul, that restores our heart, restores our mind, restores us in such a way that we are made fresh and made new. And it's, it's a kind of forgiveness that kind of helps us restart. It's a kind of forgiveness that, that makes us have this fresh start because in Jesus, there's no more shame, there's no more guilt, there's no more pain. And the reality as I think about all these things and, and just the sin in, in, in my life and in my family's life, oh my goodness, like we are just all sinners before a holy God. And I need Jesus and and my family needs Jesus, and our community needs Jesus. Like, we all need Jesus. And here's what I'm just so grateful for. I've said it before, but I'll say it again because it's so important. Jesus is way better at forgiving and saving than we are sinning. We sin and we sin, but man, Jesus is here to save and to save and to forgive and to forgive. And so maybe that's you and and here's what I just want to encourage us with. And here's the last thing that we see from Genesis chapter 38. Here's the last lesson. Listen to the whisper of God. Listen to the whisper of God. When we look at the rest of this passage, uh, just a quick summary. Judah keeps on sinning and Tamar keeps on sinning and Tamar makes herself a, a prostitute and, and Judah and Tamar get together and end up having a kid and it's weird because like that's his daughter-in-law and there's just a lot of sin going on. And then when Judah finds out that Tamar's pregnant, he's like, we need to burn her. And Tamar's like, excuse me, sir, but these are your kids. I don't know if you knew that. And he goes, Tamar is more righteous than I am. And in that moment, Judah is like, yeah, I've messed up. And so they don't kill Tamar and they have these two kids. One is Hispanic because his name is Betis. And the other one is Zara. But you see, I think Judah listened to the whisper of God and, and repented because, and I think Tamar did too, because when you look at Matthew chapter one, verse three, you have these people in the lineage of Jesus. And so when you look at Matthew chapter one, verse three, it says Judah, it lists him out, Judah, the father of Bedis and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Like this is the lineage of Jesus. This is the, histor the historical family of Jesus. And because of their repentance, man, they were forgiven. And so if Judah repented, my question for us, if you're a person who has done the things maybe I've talked about or I've thought about those things or maybe you're going through things right now, Man, I just want to present to you that there's forgiveness in Jesus. That today, if, if no matter what you're going through, like Jesus loves you 
and you can come to him today and, and he will completely forgive you of every sin you ever thought about, you've ever done, every sin you will do. And Jesus has communicated to us that he's the one that can change our destiny. He's the one who can change our entire family line, our entire life. And so the invitation for us is like, man, will you come to Jesus in repentance and have him clean you? Will you come to Jesus in repentance and saying, Lord, forgive me because I know that way long before I sinned, you have been so willing to forgive. Way long before I even thought about sinning, way long before I even thought about doing this act or whatever. And Jesus, you've been so willing to forgive time and time again. And so in this moment, I just, I just wanna pray for us and, and pray for you that you would allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and, and speak to you and whisper to you in this moment of how you need to repent and how you need to pray. So let's go ahead and pray together. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move and speak in this room right now. God, because I don't know the family history of every single person in here, but you do. And God, I don't know if there's anyone who is just feeling so much pain because of sin or so much guilt because of sin. Lord, I don't know the people that have hurt them or the people that they have hurt or how they've hurt themselves. But God, I pray that they would know that they can find forgiveness in you. Or that they can come to you repenting for ignoring your warning, for ignoring your wisdom, for even ignoring your voice. And as they do that, and as they accept the forgiveness that you have, Lord, they are restored made new and given a fresh start. God, I pray that you would reveal that unrepentant sin in us so that we can also lay that at your feet. Lay that down and give it to you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.